So we have just sang, I'm alive and I, I'm free, and most of this morning we're going to talk about dying. Um, that's <laughs> just how things work out. I believe there are really just two reasons why our spiritual growth is stunted. And today we're going to talk about the first one, and next week we'll talk about the second one. And obviously you know what I mean by stunted. Uh, we anticipate a certain amount of growth, and it has stopped. Uh, most of you grew up in an era, uh, whether you still smoke cigarettes or not, I don't know, but cigarettes stunt your, that's what they say, I don't know. Uh, I've never smoked a cigarette in my entire life. Um, I had a cousin try to teach me how to smoke when I was like 12. I thought I was going to die. I, and my, both my parents smoked at the time, and I'm like, who would do this? I am dumbfounded by that. Now, I'm not above smoking a cigar. It doesn't have to be a good cigar. But um, that thing was something I could never, ever do. Today, we're going to talk about stunted growth and why, for whatever reasons, our growth spiritually slows down and sometimes even stops. So let's pray together. God, you are good, and we thank you for being in this place. And help us not just make room around us, but help us to make room inside of us for your Holy Spirit to show up, to change us, to do something that only you can do. And we give this time to you uh, for that specific purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, um, you know, last week we showed a, a clip from one of my favorite movies, and we're going to do the same thing today. And it's really odd that I don't really show movie clips a whole lot, and now I'm doing one back to back. Um, but what you're about to see is a movie clip um, from, and whenever I think of death, this is honestly one of the quotes that I come back to. Um, you think you know what's coming? Uh, so, and it's really, uh, and this isn't one of my favorite movies, but if it's on TV, I'll stop and watch it. Now, I understand you can get Netflix on all the time, and there's no commercials and blah, 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 but when this movie comes on TV, I'll watch it for 10 minutes and then go on to something else. But... This is such an interesting quote about death, um, and especially in the context of this movie, it's interesting. Um, so let's, let's watch this clip together. If you saw us, boys, it's hook of me this time. You better die, Pete Dawes. To die would be a great adventure. Death is the only adventure. <laughs> the quote, um, dying would be a great adventure and death is the only adventure. But we all like sword fights and um, I really enjoy and I really enjoy that last little line there where he says, to a 10 year old I'm huge. Um, that line has, oh, did, is that what you thought was coming? <laughs> Bill and Ted. Oh nice. Um, I, we don't think of death like that. And obviously we're not talking about physically dying, we're talking about spiritually dying two things in our lives. That movie, there's some interesting interjections here that I want to do 
say before we go any further. When he says, to a 10-year-old, I'm huge. You understand he's in Neverland. And the only adults in Neverland are pirates. That's it. Pirates. So all of the other inhabitants of Neverland, the Lost Boys, or, or there's others, but the Lost Boys specifically, because they live in that place, their growth is stunted. They never grow up. They never grow up. So in that world, oh, Captain Hook is huge to 10-year-olds. So we start our talk this morning in the Gospel of John. I want to read to you what happens before this, and we can leave that verse on the screen. John writes, There there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was one of the disciples, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. These Greeks came to one of Jesus' followers and said this, We would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Verse 23 says, Jesus replied, At the request of somebody wanting to see him, Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus, there's some people here who want to meet you. We know that you're not doing a book signing. Um, You know, we know there's a long line. We know all this stuff. But there's some people here who want to meet you. Jesus' answer to somebody wanting to meet him is, the time has now come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He's specifically talking about going into Jerusalem to be crucified. That's the specific context that they're in. Jesus then says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I want to tell you where we're going to end, just in case I heard somebody say this weekend, I'm going to tell you where we're going to end, just in case you're that kind of person. All you want to know is the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. The reason your growth is stunted may be because you refuse to die. The reason your growth is stunted may be because you simply refuse to die. That's where we're going to end up. Okay, so now let's get back to where we are. Verse 25. Jesus says, The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Unless, Jesus says, unless you are willing to die, you can never ever become what, you're, what you should be. See, we like living in the fact that my sins are paid for. That God will always love me and nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. And when Jesus says, um, you are in my hand and my hand is in the Father's and no one can take you out of my hand. Oh, wow, that's just... I mean, my arm, the hair on my arm stand up. We love that part. We love the fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love that. We live in that. We have nothing without that. True. 
I encourage you to discover a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I encourage you to read everything you can about him. He says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. See, I'm all in with the blessings. I'm all in with the good stuff. I'm all in with unmerited favor. I'm all in with unconditional love. But when Christ calls us, he calls us to come and die. And when Jesus said, if you're going to come after and follow me, then take up your cross. In our context, we almost specifically limit that to jewelry we wear. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But when Jesus said, take up your cross, he wasn't talking about putting on a necklace. He was very specifically and culturally, and they knew it, saying, he's asking us to come and die. Now, because we live in a very blessed nation, and we have freedom of religion, most likely no one today will come in those doors, haul us to jail, because we have Bibles in our laps, and I'm preaching the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That happens around the world. You get that, right? Certainly you know that there are people daily who fear for their lives only because they name the name of Christ. That's foreign to us. So I encourage you, when you begin to tell yourself a lie about how persecuted you are, (laughs) die to that. Jesus said, unless something dies... Nothing is going to grow. So then let me ask you this. What is the thing? What is the thing? Oh, it's maybe an attitude. It may be bitterness. It may be resentment. It may just be that subtle thing that lingers in the back that you need to die to. Maybe nobody notices it easily. It could just be the little thing that that leaks out every now and then. Because you've yet to die to it. So what is it for you? Don't say it out loud. (laughs) Please don't say it out loud. So you started on this journey having trusted Christ as your Savior, knowing that He died on the cross to pay for your sins, and man, that, when you began your journey with Jesus Christ, the feeling that you had could not be described. Could not be described. And everywhere you turned, there was this God moment of Him showing up and doing something or speaking to you, revealing Himself in a way, changing you. And then slowly... Over time, those moments of God showing up, lighting your path, they got fewer and fewer and fewer. And they got so far in between that when you would read about somebody else and what God was doing, you had resentment. Well, why isn't God doing that for me? 
Why is my life so hard? Why aren't I being financially blessed? Why aren't my children better behaved? Why isn't my marriage what it could be? Why aren't all these other things working out for me? And so, instead of focusing on your death, the things that you need to die to, you are totally focused on how somebody else was living. So when Jesus says, unless you die, nothing's going to grow. We are compelled to take that personally. So I ask you again, what is the thing? Maybe it's a series of things. Maybe it's just a heart attitude. Maybe it's a physical behavior that you're just not willing to die to. Maybe it's a relationship you're just not willing to die to. So we understand the things that I'm not willing to die to, the things that I will hold on for dear life, have subtly and slowly become my God. What would I do without? And you fill in the blank. Once you have filled in that blank, welcome to your God. What would I do without alcohol? Welcome to your God. What would I do without sex? Welcome to your God. What would I do without this job? What would I do without this? What would I do without that? Welcome to your God. Unless you die to that thing, to that attitude, to that heart condition, to that behavior, you will remain stunted. You will remain an immature Christian. You will remain a baby in your faith. Now, the interesting thing that I've seen over the years is that, especially in a church context, new people come and go all the time, right? So new people come and they stick around, they become part of this family, and they think differently than you do. That's not so much a case here, because we tend to be non-typical in that mentality about, I, I don't know, I don't know, that, that was funnier than I thought it was going to be, but... Um, I didn't think it was going to be funny. I don't know what they're laughing about, Alicia. You go back and find out and come back and tell me. Um, But oftentimes in a very heavily entrenched and traditional church structure, new people are viewed as a problem. That's rarely ever the case. Most time the case is this. New people just already, they're showing you what's broken. They're showing you what's wrong. They're showing you how you have become entrenched and you don't think differently anymore. And somewhere along the line, we stopped caring whether people were dying and going to hell. And we just got easy and it got comfortable and we stopped dying. So let I'm going to tell you what I think the Lord just told me. I'm going to make sure I say it right. I really want to make sure I get this right. When the body of a church, the people in the church stop dying, is when the church starts dying. I think that's really smart. 
uh, so it's obviously coming from the Lord. <laughs> Just saying, somebody should write that down because nobody is going to believe I came up with that. When we as individual God followers, as part of this church family, when we stop dying to ourselves, the church dies. It's inevitable. When Christ calls a man, when Christ calls a woman, when Christ calls a teenager, when Christ calls a mom, when Christ calls a dad, when Christ calls grandma, when Christ calls grandpa, when Christ calls the owner of a company, when Christ when Christ calls the janitor, when Christ calls you, he bids you come and die. You will not grow without that. You will remain stunted. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. And he, meaning Christ, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If you didn't already have a reason to die to that thing in your life, welcome to the life of the Apostle Paul. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him who died for us. Do you need a better reason? Really, honestly, transparently. Do you need a better reason to die to that thing in your life? The attitude in your life, the selfishness in your life, the arrogance in your life, the pride in your life. Do you need a better reason to die? If it is, you can speak out loud. I'd love to hear it. But no, we're all going to hear it. (laughs) Puke it up, whatever it is. Bueller. Bueller. Some of you have no idea. And it makes me sad a little inside because you don't know who that is. So he died so that we could live. Do I need a better reason? to die to that attitude, that that thing I hold on to. And let's be transparent here. Maybe the thing you hold on to is that's just unbelievable. Really? You understand that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a biblical truth. It's a historical truth. It's a historical fact. There's this man named Jesus. He was the son of Joseph. He was from Galilee. He was born in Nazareth. And... The Romans crucified him. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Extra-biblical historians tell that story. And who cares if they didn't? Who cares if all we had was what the Bible said? Do you understand how long Christianity has survived? In spite of itself? Really. I mean, a lot of people have done some lot of stupid things in the name of Jesus. The Crusades. And he died for all. So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
Oftentimes, I think, in Christianity, once you've been in it for a while and you stop dying, you have become convinced that your behavior has gotten you where you are. Look, I don't do a lot of wrong things. I, I kind of just go with the flow, and I'm not really horrible, uh, so I'm, I'm doing okay. So you think that your behavior has gained you redemption instead of redemption allowing you to behave correctly. Let that sink into you. Your behavior has not gained you redemption. Your redemption has allowed you to behave correctly. It's not the other way. Our very last verse is in Colossians, again from the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Set your hearts, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So let me encourage you. The people in your life that maybe you struggle with, Now, it could be somebody you personally know. You know their face. You know their name. They sit across from you in a cubicle. Um, You share office space with them. uh, Whatever it is. Or maybe they're just the person that has not figured out what the fast lane is. Or the turn signal thing. Or the brake pedal thing. It very well could be that they have not just died sufficiently to things in their life. I know. I really wish everybody else would just die quicker to their baggage. That way, I can hold on to mine a little bit longer and it's less inconvenient. You laugh because you identify. I don't care what you tell yourself. You're a bunch of baggage carrying freaks. And I know it. You know it. Jesus knows it. We're going to talk about that next week, by the way. That is part two of stunted growth. Freaks carry baggage. Freaks named Lisa carry baggage. (laughs) Lisa's baggage has baggage. Just like all of ours. He says, look, you are dying to the stuff that doesn't matter. So keep dying. You are so entrenched in these things. You're so entrenched in this stuff. You're so entrenched in politics. You're so entrenched in this relationship. You're so entrenched in your attitude. You're so entrenched in your, in your selfishness and your pride. You're so entrenched in thinking this is all about you. You want to know how, you want uh, a little quick thing here. You want to know how somebody, their indicators where they think life is about them? Ask them what they think heaven is going to be like. Oh, we're going to play golf. We're going to ride motorcycles. I'm going to be skinny. My shoulders won't hurt. I won't have glasses. Listen to the stories they tell what heaven is going to be like. That's what they think life is about. It's about their ease. It's about their comfort. It's about them not being in pain or, or not being aggravated with people. When, they, when we tell stories about what heaven, what we think in a non-biblical sense, what we think heaven is going to be like, 
we're really telling people what we think life is going to be like. And you know the simple answer? Well, heaven's going to be all about me. So therefore, life is all about me. Maybe that's the thing you need to die to. Maybe that's the thing I need to die to. So set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. He very clearly points to two things. Our hearts and our minds. Make sure that those things are focused on the things that matter eternally. It's hard to focus on the things that matter eternally when I am still a slave to the things that are just temporary. And I refuse to die to them. As a matter of fact, it's almost impossible. So then when you look at the story of your life, most of us can easily identify the things that we have in our past and maybe present. We just refuse to die to. They're there. They seep out every now and then. People notice them. And we try to downplay it and make it like it's not that big of a deal, but it's there. I challenge you that your spiritual growth, the first stumbling block, the first issue for why you are not currently growing, has nothing to do with me. Not a single amen, Chad. My spiritual growth, the things that I refuse to die to, have nothing to do with you. As long as somebody else is the problem, we will never probably find a solution. What are you refusing to die to? Imagine then that today you say, no more, I die to that now Forever, I will not pick that baggage up. I will leave it at the cross. No more will I let that thing enslave me. Today, I die to that. So now, think about what tomorrow looks like. Not just for you. Because that's an easy thing. How your life has changed because you chose to die. But what about the people in your life? What if you, mom, what if you chose to die? To whatever it is. Okay, let's be specific. Uh, Mom, what if you chose to die to to being disrespectful to your husband? And today, you just had a crucifixion for that. Now... You can probably easily look at your life and go, yeah, but that's all I know. And, well, you don't know my husband. Well, I probably do since you're in this room. Um, And you know what? He might be a schmuck. And? So because God doesn't treat you according to your behaviors, somehow you think you should treat him according to his Somebody should write this stuff down, David. I'm just saying. Burn up two pencils. Okay, listen. Imagine then, Mom, you choose today to die. And maybe you say that out loud. Maybe you say that on the drive home and say, 
you know what? This has been the condition of my heart and my mind, and I need to die to that today. And you say that in front of your children. They're old enough to digest that. Imagine what that death, the life that it brings to them. Nothing lives, nothing grows without some death in our lives. So dad, maybe you do the same thing. You know, I don't love your mom like I should. And I need to die to my attitude about that. I need to die to my arrogance. I need to die to my pride. I need to die. I need to die. I need to die. I need to die. There is no church in the country today using the word die and death more than this one. So imagine the growth that comes from that. Imagine the growth that then springs up in the people and the lives and in your life all around you simply because you chose to die and teenagers and kids. Maybe it's your rebellion that you die to. Instead of just saying, this is what teenage girls do. Shut up with that. No, that's what teenage girls who do who do not die to themselves. Amen? Serious. Serious. That's how people behave who do not die. So just go ahead and die. You will not grow without it. Absolutely will not. So whatever it is, that thing, and maybe I know your thing, and maybe you know mine. Maybe, no, maybe you think nobody has a clue. Get a clue. <laughs> we know. And we know you're not dying. It seeps out every now and then. And we tell on ourselves. So here's what I'd like to do in the little bit of time we have left. Um, There's something maybe you specifically need to die for or die to. I have no idea what that thing is. I have no clue for some of you. Um, So uh, Roger's unless Roger's going to stand and we're going to pray for him about something he needs to die to, then we'll know what that is. But he's going to play a little bit of something. And all I want you to do, um, if you would, if there's a thing in your life that you need to die to, I want to pray for you right now. Some of what I know, some of what I don't, whatever it is, I probably need to die to the stuff I know. So if you have that thing, um, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to pray over you for the thing that you need to die to. Now know that I'm already standing. So if you need to sit down and stand up, I'll do that just so you know that I'm standing with you. So if there's something in your life that you just need to die to, whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to stand up and I'm going to pray for you. You stand up whenever you want. If there's somebody close to you that you need to put your hand on their shoulder or hold their hand or whatever it is, then I'll ask you to do that. Nobody's going to be creepy. I mean, they might. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. So, I mean, most likely they are creepy, but back to the point. 
Father, oftentimes in our lives we have no idea how devastating that thing is. And we believe the lie that dying to it will be more devastating. And we claim in the name of Jesus that you will show us and prove to us that it is not. That that thing that we are holding on to and we refuse to die to is actually eating away at our growth. So, Father, in this moment, over these people, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray over them deliverance from that thing that haunts them, from that thing that enslaves them, from that thing that absolutely stunts their growth, keeps them from being who they are, keeps them from accepting who they are in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray this over these people, that they will no longer settle for that stunted growth, that they will no longer settle for being slaves to that sin, that attitude, that behavior in their lives. That today will be the day that they choose to die. Jesus, there is no one like you. And we know and we accept the fact that on the cross, your death set us free. And if the Son sets you... And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So, Father, help us to live like a people, like a family, like a church, like your children that are indeed free. Father, we claim these things in the name of Jesus today. Amen. Roger, we're going to sing whatever you tell us to sing.